Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very simple verse, but it got me to thinking about what, what treasure is. What does that word treasure mean? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So I, I did a word study in, in the Bible of uh, the times where the word treasure is used and how it is used. And in the Old Testament, uh, five times God uses the word treasured possession when he speaks about uh, the, the Israelites, the children of Israel, that he was leading to the promised land. So uh, five times, starting in the book of Deuteronomy and throughout the Old Testament, he calls the Israelites his people, his treasured possession. Now, there's another use of the word treasure in the New Testament in uh, the book of 2 Corinthians. And it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay so that this extraordinary power may be known to be from God and not from us. So that's a little different use of the word treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, what the author is speaking to, the treasure there is... We have the grace of God given to us in Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. We have his forgiveness and new life, that gift of salvation. That treasure is within us. When we accept Christ, Jesus' presence and his power is within us. That's a treasure. So we are, we are God's treasure. As God's people, we are called his treasured possession and we have treasure. We have the treasure of Jesus within us. So when we think about what it means to be a giving person, I want to lay a foundation that starts with just the fact of the matter of of as God's treasure, who has his treasure, what we do with all that. Now, there's another aspect of this that's found in the Bible and if you know the story of, of the Israelites, they, they were freed from slavery in Egypt and they made this journey uh, for 40 years to the promised land. Now, the promised land, basically, the, the actual land is today's nation of Israel. And, and that was unfolded uh, as they went along the kind of land it would be. And it was called the land of milk and honey. It was a promise to them, a place where they could live out as God's treasured people all of the treasures of life that he would give them. A place of prosperity, a place of of joy, a place where they could follow God and trust him for their lives as they lived out in obedience and faith their Christian life. He provided a, a place of treasure. So, as God's treasured possession, his people, we have his treasure in our hearts, and he has provided for us on this earth uh, uh, treasures for us to enjoy. And that is a great understanding. Our God, who loves us so much, calls us his treasured possession, who created us as his treasure, all of the faculties, all of the functions that we have in life, 
God created us generously. We have so many uh, wonder, uh, wonderful parts about our, our bodies and our lives that God created within us so that we could enjoy life. Just think about that for a minute. God created us very generously. Now, we're reminded of that a lot of times when we lose something that we have in our bodies. So I was telling Sarah before church, I had to have oral surgery a little over a week ago because I have to have a tooth replaced. And so that's going to be a process for a little while. So I can't chew on this side of my mouth and have to eat soft foods uh, on the other side of my mouth for the most part for a while here. So uh, I was praying about maybe how to fast during the Lenten season before it started. Couldn't figure out a way to do it. And God said, here's how you're going to do it. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to lose a tooth at, at that time. So, uh, but but it, what it has reminded me of is how much I take for granted the joy of crunching cereal or potato chips <laughs> or all those things that are so natural to us that that we just take for granted. Think of all the faculties we have: our sight, our ears, our mouth, all of the things that make us tick. That we we just take for granted because we expect them to work until they don't. But you see, we're, we're God's treasure. He has, he has created us generously. Look how generously he has created the world, the beauty of this earth, the various terrains, all of the resources in, in the earth, all of the things that, that make the earth such a great and wonderful place how God has created generously. Back in the creation story, he created all these things and declared them good. We have a God who treasures us, who has provided treasure for us in the gift of his son, who in a little less than a month, we will celebrate Easter, when he he went through the agony of the cross, took his sin upon our lives, and then gloriously rose again three days later. God did that because he treasures us. And we have that treasure within us. And then he's provided all the treasures of life for us to enjoy. Now, uh, people will go to great lengths to get treasures that they think are important in life. Uh, a little over a month ago, my wife and I went down to the southern part of Arizona and, and we went to tomb, Tombstone for a day. I don't know how many of you have been to Tombstone. Uh, it, it's an old west town, old dusty, small town in, in southern Arizona, but it's known for the old west, the gunfight at the OK Corral. They reenact all this stuff. It's a, it's a tourist, little tourist town, but it's kind of, Fun to be there for a while and just see all that. But I learned something about Tombstone that I didn't know when we were down there, and that is that what put Tombstone on the map was in the mid-1800s. They discovered silver in the hills right down by Tucson. And so silver mining opened up and people flocked there to, to get the silver, which was a treasure. It would mean a lot of money. 
And so it became this old Wild West town because all kinds of people were going there to get silver, and then other people were going there to steal the silver that other people were getting. It became quite, and thus the gunfights and all of those things that people do. Because we are so built that, that we, we crave treasure. We like treasure. And in most cases in our culture, it's, it's stuff. It's earthly treasure that we can get. Now today, we may buy a lottery ticket because that brings the hope of treasure. I think somebody just won like $750 million, some crazy amount of money. But, but the lengths that people will go because they want the treasures of life is usually great. That's, that's kind of what life is all about for some people. How can I get all of the things that I want? Now, I, I kind of lay this foundation of, of who we are, the treasures that we have, and what then God has given for us to use them. Because treasures, whatever they are, whatever we treasure, uh, can be used wisely and well or, or misused and abused. And so often what we see in life is the misuse and the abuse of life and the abuse of the treasures God has given us. Now there's another verse in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6.33, that says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I believe that's the, the greatest verse on priorities of living that you can find in Scripture. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. As his treasured people, we are part of his kingdom. And Jesus is our king. And to live life as a kingdom person is to live with Jesus as our king. And what Jesus has said to us is, seek first my kingdom, my treasures, my presence in your life, my love for you, my love for others. Seek the things that that matter most and all these other treasures that we think are so important will be added to you. Now, the way I like to think of that, I've got a basket of apples up here. And last year, for almost a year, my wife and I were in Washington State. We did an interim pastorate at a church that was in between pastors. And uh, we'd never been to, well, we were to Washington once before, but never lived there, never knew a whole lot about it. But when we think about Washington, a lot of times we think about apples, right? It's the apple state. I learned more about apples than I ever thought I could understand while we were up there. It's, it's Great, great apples up there. But the idea here is that um, I'm going to let this basket of apples represent all the things that we believe are treasures in life, all of our treasures. And, and we have a lot of treasures. We have our families. We have perhaps a home and all our material stuff and a job and skills and talents and abilities and, and income. And all of those things make up our life. They are the treasures of our life. And so when we uh, have, have treasures, we, we, we value them. We, 
We enjoy them. That's how it's meant to be. It's the way it's supposed to be. But say you buy this, this basket of apples in the store and you get them and you take them home and you begin to eat them and, and, and we tend to think this way. Well, these are, these are my apples now. I bought them. And they're good to eat. And, uh, so we eat them. We enjoy them. We use the apples however we choose. Might make an apple pie or apple cobbler, all kinds of things you can do with apples. Now, when we were up there, what we learned are several things. First of all, that we all know the process of fruit. A seed is planted. Uh, in this case, uh, apples come from trees. The trees become orchards. The orchards bear apples. The apples go to a processing plant. They are distributed all around the world. By the time you and I get an apple to eat, we really haven't done anything to say they're mine other than purchase them. We didn't plant the seed. We didn't tend the orchard. We didn't work in the processing plant. We didn't drive the truck that brought them out to wherever they're going. All kinds of things happen to an apple before we ever eat it. So as we we think about our treasures of life, we, we tend to think they're all mine. I can do what I want with them. I can do what I want with my money. I can do what I want with my talents and my time. But that's why we have to go back to the root of all this. The foundation of all this is that we are God's treasured possession. He created us. He knows us. He loves us. He wants the best for us. He is the one, when we seek him first, will guide us through life. And all of the things that we think are so important, that we place a priority on, that we want, will be added to us. So what it boils down to then is, do we really believe that? Do we really trust that? Do we really live that way? Where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. So when it comes to our treasures, it's if I really dedicate them to God, really dedicate my life to, uh, to living this way, will I have enough? Will I lose some of the things I have? Will I be able to, to do the things that I want to do later? And, and, and we kind of get that, that possessive thoughts about our treasures. Because we all want them, we all like them, we all enjoy them. And as we think about what that then means for us, as it comes down to a matter of what I call the grace of giving, the title of this message. We have the grace that has been given to us. And then to be a giving person means we, we let that grace work in our hearts in such a way that our, our treasure is what the grace of God has done for us. And that's then when we can start thinking differently about what it means to be a giving person. Now, I lay all that to, to, to do just a, a, a brief walk through a passage that I think is a, a very practical approach to this whole subject of giving, and, and particularly uh, giving the, the treasures of our life. And uh, if you've been around the church uh, much of your life, you know that uh, as, as, uh, as a church, as God's people, 
God trusts us as, as his children to support his church. That's how the church works. And to do that, of course, takes resources and takes the way that we use what we have. So I'm going to look at a scripture in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 through 4. I think it's going to be on the screen. Is that on the, the thing? Or not? Maybe not. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll read it. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve of and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So I'm going to ask three questions about this passage. Three questions about our treasure. The question, good, we got that up there. Just wanted to check. First is this, what is our ability to give? What is our ability to give? The first verse and the second verse kind of sum all that up. It says, now about the collection for God's people. Now, a few minutes ago, we took a collection uh, an, an offering. And, and first of all, that's what it is. Giving is always an offering. It's not something that's coerced or forced. It's, it's an offering. Now, today we live in an online culture. And so when you come to church, you can, you, you can give physically. But, but giving really starts in the heart and, and online. You can, you can do it at any time. In fact, many churches now. Uh, that, that is more the predominant way. It doesn't matter the manner in which you give. But, but it starts out with what's in our heart. What is our ability? And I think there's a, there's a very simple truth that's found in this verse. It says, lay aside a sum. Lay aside a sum. Now, we all have various abilities. We all have various incomes. We all have various jobs, whatever it is that we have. And they're different. Now, when it comes to generosity, one of, one of my principles in life is if God has given us very generously in life, if, if we uh, have more means than uh, we, we need in, in terms of just providing the necessities of life, then we ought to be generous people. There are some people that have very generous abilities, but not everybody has, has a generous ability. But all of us can lay aside a sum. Now, in practical terms, I think that's what this means, according to our ability. But it's an intentional thing. It's not an afterthought. Uh, it's not what remains in our budget after everything else is paid for. It's, it's an intentional laying aside a sum. Now, we all get caught up, as I said before, in if I trust God with what I have, will I have enough? Because we have this syndrome of, of, of more. Will I have enough for this? Will I have enough to, to get a, a bigger house someday? Will I enough, have enough to pay college bills for kids? Will I have enough for retirement? There's all kinds of things that the enough question comes into our life. 
Uh, we, we live, I think, by uh, what I like to call the Costco syndrome sometimes. I don't know how many of you are Costco members. But what's the motto at Costco? More is better. You got the picture you can put up there? We, we like bigger. We like more. And, and so we're, we're Costco members, I'll admit to it. You go there to get bigger amounts. But that's kind of the, the nature of our culture. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baseball fan. Grew up watching games, playing baseball some. And uh, the staple at the stadium is always the hot dog, right? You get a hot dog, and chips and a Coke, whatever. Well, today they have foot-and-a-half-long hot dogs with pretzel buns and jalapenos all over it. And, you know, the whole thing is is bigger, better, more. That's the mentality of our culture. And, and so when we think that way, what, what what's important for us is, what is my ability? Now, I believe that has to start between you and and the Lord. But the principle is, what am I going to set aside for the Lord's purposes in our life and in the church? When we think about things that way, it allows us then to, to practically determine what it is the Lord's saying to us. Then the second question, I think, is this. What is the amount I should give? Now, don't grab your wallets. I'm going to be... Just teaching about this from a very practical standpoint. Paul says in these verses, let every one of you set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. The key word in this question is in keeping with our income. So we set aside a sum. And keeping with our income means a portion of it. Now, uh, I believe in what is called storehouse giving. In the Bible it says, let all the tithes come into the storehouse in the Old Testament. The storehouse is the local church. Because the local church is where God's work primarily is done in the world. It's the place where faith is nurtured. It's the place where we build relationships so that our lives can grow. It's the place where a, a pastor lives uh, in front of us week by week and teaches us and encourages us and guides us in living the Christian life. The, the church is God's primary agency of his work in the world, and it's meant to be supported by God's people. A lot of places to give, a lot of ways to give. All of them, many of them, are great things to do. But but the, the, the tithe or the amount that God leads you to give is reserved for his work for his church. Not because God needs it, but because he needs us to trust him to live in such a way that honors him, that seeks first his kingdom, that builds his church, and that will build your life. So as we do that, I believe if we're truly seeking first the things of God, then he will lead us to the level that he wants us to give. Now, um, as you can see by my age, been around here 
and around the church for many years. My wife and I got married when we were both 22 years old. Went to a youth pastorate at that time. And uh, I had had a business opportunity right out of college that would have been very lucrative for that time and probably in the future. I knew God had called me to ministry, and I knew at the time I had to deal with what's going to come first. I knew God had called me. But I grew up in a very stable, financially uh, strong background. My parents worked the same jobs for years. We lived in the same house all my growing up years. I liked stability. I liked security. God said, I'm calling you into ministry. Will you trust me? Will you walk with me through your life? And so we we had to decide at that time, are we going to trust God with our life? And uh, we started tithing immediately because we believed that was what God would have us to do. And I, I can honestly say to you, This is 40, 46 years later. (laughs) Um, All through my life in ministry, God took good care of us. We always had what we needed. We sent our kids to college. They're both doing well. God always provided. Sometimes it was difficult. Sometimes very tight. But if we believe we are God's treasure, and if we believe his treasure belongs within our heart. We have the treasure in jars of clay and that he created us to to have abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Then he's going to supply the abundance of apples for our basket that we need. Maybe not always everything we want or the way we want it or maybe the time we want it. But I believe God takes good care of his people. The amount that you give really has to be between you and the Lord. I think if you, if you have the goal of, of being a generous giver, take a step. Maybe a baby step. Set aside the sum. And then take a step. The last question to ask is, what is our attitude in giving? There's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever gives generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The key word there, I think, is God is sufficient. And if we believe that, then we're going to have an attitude to say, I I want to be a generous person. I want to be the kind of person who meets the needs of the church and of others. I want to show my, my faith and my trust in the Lord. Then we're going to want to be generous givers. A few years ago, uh, my wife and I went out for breakfast at a local place. And uh, when I was the, the state pastor for the Church of God, I would go around to our various churches and speak. And 
we had uh, several churches that were primarily Hispanic congregations, and uh, one of the guys who was bussing tables that day was from one of the churches, and he came up to our table and but shortly after we got there, and we we were he, he introduced himself, said who he was, and that I'd spoken at the church, and he was glad to see us, and and we had a brief conversation. Then he went around and did, did his work, bussing tables, and so we we ordered our breakfast, ate breakfast, and. Uh, Server came around and I asked for the check, and um, she said, it's been taken care of. And I thought for a second, now wait a second, what's going on here? The only person we know was the guy bussing tables. He was on the other end of the restaurant at the time. Now, I bussed tables uh, early on in my life, one of my first jobs. You don't make a lot of money bussing tables. And I, I caught his eye over there, and I, I just said thank you and thought about that after we left, that he just wanted to be generous. I don't know how much of his check that day went towards our breakfast. But he had a generous heart. And, and as I was humbled by that, I didn't, I didn't need him to pay for my breakfast. But he did. And, and it reminded me, okay, I need to do that now for someone else down the road. When things like that happen to me, I just say, okay, how, how can I do that later? Be thankful now. Receive it with grace. But that last passage that I read is about our attitude. And our attitude, when it's one of God has so richly blessed my life in so many ways, he's given me so many things, not just material things. But if you've walked through many things in life through the years, you know how good God sometimes is, apart from our own doing. That's why having a generous spirit is so important. Giving is something that that starts with grace and the grace of God within our hearts. We are his treasured possession. And we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have it lodged in our hearts. And we can live out his treasure day by day and week by week with, with joyful trust in the one who provides it. My guess is for most of us this morning, this isn't something new. But I hope it's a reminder to us in this Easter season what it means to be a giving person.